Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for making Top Docs a part of your day today. It's C.W. Hall, your host, and uh, we're really pleased to be joined in studio by several folks that are uh, integral in the Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is obviously kicking off here in, in, gosh, it's already October coming up. So um, I'll jump right in and we'll introduce our guest. We've got somebody coming back that uh, some of you have met before through the show and uh, through other channels, Jana Beebe of the Breast Cancer Survivors Network. So thank you very much for taking a part of your day to... uh, talk to us today janet thank you i enjoy coming up and sharing experiences and being a 31 year survivor i've got tons of stories so just fire away we'll we'll hear some more real soon and we've got uh, kim goff of the uh, it's the journey and uh, atlanta two-day walk for breast cancer so obviously the community is very well aware of that uh, really cool event and uh, really excited to have you here to talk a little bit about that and your involvement with the organization so thanks for taking time out of your day as well well thanks for having us we're getting prepared in just 10 days for our event it's coming and uh, you introduced us to a survivor here breast cancer survivor Yvonne Lloyd so thanks for coming in and uh, talking to us today you're from what I understand when you go through the two-day walk this time it'll be your sixth time through the event that's correct thank so, you for having me i appreciate being here it's great having you here i'm very glad to uh have you take part of your day today to share your story and uh, then of course obviously you talk a little bit about your involvement with the two-day walk so uh, getting right down to it janet you were here before we talked a little bit about in the past you you mentioned the fact that you're a breast cancer survivor if you can you know for the folks who haven't met you in the past talk a little bit about your story and then we'll talk some things that are coming up for the uh, Breast Cancer Survivors Network? Well, um, I had just uh, last week have to kind of reiterate on uh, having my breast cancer. We were uh, recognized and had the studio of NBC in our office this past week on uh, NBC Nightly News, so with uh, the Joan London story. So um, Okay. I was wondering how that came to pass. That was really cool. Yes, I had an hour to prepare, and it was was fabulous. So I got five uh, volunteers. I called Piedmont Hospital and said, send me some survivors from the hospital quick. (laughs) (laughs) They are about 10 minutes from our office. So I thought, you know, I know there's some patients down there quick. But anyway, myself, uh, it has changed so much now. When I had my breast cancer in 1983, you didn't talk about it. I didn't know a soul that had ever had breast cancer. That word wasn't spoken, and actually pink wasn't the color. Mm. So it was uh, one of those things you kind of pushed under the uh, table and didn't didn't talk about. I actually lost friends over having breast cancer. They were afraid they'd catch it. Or they thought if they talked about it too much, they'd get depressed, and they thought they would upset me if they spoke the word cancer in front of me. They didn't know how to handle breast cancer. Things have really changed a lot. Yeah, so now it's, you know, it's a household word, and even children talk about breast cancer now. So, and they love to put on their pink and be in all these events and... uh, and uh, bring the uh, awareness out just like the adults do now but uh, but we're busy uh, I started a nonprofit called the Breast Cancer Survivors Network where I'm the director and the I guess the CEO and I uh, have a few staff uh, part-time staff and a lot of uh, uh, volunteers come in the office and work every day we we have four suites now and we're growing huge we get shipments in of all our supplies are uh, donated everything we do is donated and we donate it right back out to the community so it's uh, 
very um, great experience and we've just kicked off a, a mammogram program for under 40 year olds which is right sometimes not handled through insurance yeah, you talked about that when you when mm-hmm. we first met you, um, and we had uh, other survivors on this show with you, and you mentioned the fact that that's a group of people that are really kind of left out of the loop as far as exactly. the being able to have access to it, where it's paid for by your insurance provider. They kind of you know because statistically, obviously that's a smaller group, um, but you know obviously it can happen, and uh, in the folks under forty, and when it does, uh, as you mentioned, if they've not had mammograms then they get to a more advanced stage before it's found. And by then, obviously, their outcomes are drastically different than it would have been if they found it early. And, and basically, if you're under 40 years old, it's up to you to find your breast cancer. You don't right. get a routine screening. None of that goes on unless you have some suspicious. Then, you know, you do go to doctor. And insurance will cover something that's, you know, that is not uh, uncertain. But just a routine mammogram is not. And it's so good to have a baseline to compare with later on if you do find something. And uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, in breast cancer, the women between 15 and 54, it is the number one cancer killer for that age group. So because of that, and it seems to be growing so much now, or you absolutely hear about it more, maybe they're talking about it more. Um, and the reason that for it being deadly in that group is mm-hmm. just for the fact that as they we don't find about, it they, yeah, don't, they find it in advanced. a later stage so then they tend to have more metastasis i guess right and so we other organ you systems. know we've partnered with uh, a lot of uh, mammogram programs all over georgia now and we're uh, working that program it's working very well and and we hope it's saving lives so how does the mammogram program work and how does somebody um, get involved who, well we have who, who we have a brochure but they can call our office you know anytime and uh, we can refer them to a uh, area that they can get that mammogram but we actually will pay if they want to pick their own location for their mammogram too so for for the person that would be you know a good candidate to get involved with the breast cancer survivors network and, and interface with the mammography uh, program is there a particular person or, uh, you know or a particular situation that uh, that's right. tends well, to be we, the right person well you know I, I say if a doctor thinks a person needs a mammogram then i agree with the doctor so it does have to be, um, you know, a referral from a doctor. You have to um, uh, be a candidate as if maybe your mother, your mm-hmm. aunt or something has had breast cancer and it's in your family, immediate family, and the doctor mm-hmm. thinks you need to just get a baseline for anything that comes up later, something to compare to. So that's the main uh, ones that we're doing right now is those. So when one of those folks comes to the uh, Breast Cancer Survivors Network and, and talks about the mammogram program, uh, are you saying that, that you either you pay all of the cost for that? We or do. We pay 100% amazing. of that. And uh, we, we've uh, had a huge uh, outpouring of funds coming into just that program because of uh, the need. You know, when I go out and talk to them and, uh, you know, do a, a program somewhere, they realize that there's not a whole lot available for that age group. And that's the age group I was actually in. And I remember how hard it was for me to get a mammogram. And honestly, before uh, maybe about 25 years ago, insurance didn't even cover uh, mammograms for 40 years and over. <laughs> I actually went on a bus with the American Cancer Society year after year after year trying to get that pushed through with the insurance company and finally did. So uh, uh, years ago when I had my breast cancer, I had to uh, call insurance companies and just tell them the situation and you know get that approved myself. 
to to get a mammogram and then my uh, breast cancer actually i had dense breasts so that mammogram didn't show anything and uh so the the lump was there i just had a baby and uh, uh, my gynecologist at the time thought it was just a clogged milk gland and told me to you know it'd get better and i just had a gut feeling to, mm-hmm. to pursue on and and thank goodness i did I know that that's one of the things that we talked a lot about uh, in that particular panel show back in the spring, and that was that, that 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 piece right there is very important. That you know, obviously, your physician is an expert; and they're well trained. Um, you know, we we acknowledge that for sure. But but there are certainly times when maybe your picture doesn't present like the typical one does. It's maybe a little bit different, or maybe your your response to a particular treatment is not quite like what they would expect. Exactly. It, it, it's okay to ask questions and it's definitely okay to and, and um, you know by the good physicians that we've spoken with along the show here it's very much encouraged by the the good providers out there to go and, and involve another physician in in your you know mm-hmm. decision making as a second opinion because you can find potentially something that could save your life you know it's very strange that uh, in 1983 when I had my breast cancer uh, the the uh, statistics were one out of 13. We're getting breast cancer and now it's one out of eight that just is so alarming it doesn't it, I, I know more people are living from breast cancer now so that kind of balances that out i wonder if i wonder if that's a function of finding it more or if it's a function of occurring more it's some you know when we look at the prostate cancer group for example uh, you know, it would seem that prostate cancer is on the rise, but it's really being discovered more. Exactly. Uh, it could be that uh, more people are getting screened, and yeah. and uh, there were people walking around, I guess, with breast cancer right. and didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. So you do have to filter all that in. But either way, over 40,000 ladies are dying from it every year yeah. still. It's amazing now that, you know, obviously that the, with the with the Komen uh, folks being, you know, involved mm-hmm. and obviously doing a fantastic job as a campaign to raise awareness about a particular issue is this. Um, you know that it's it's kind of disappointing to think that there are folks that are still going undiagnosed or um, you're at least not getting it caught at, at a time where it might have been readily treated right. before when it first started. Yeah, the COVID money is uh, one of the biggest uh, amounts of money that goes into research. Uh, so I give them a lot of credit for the funds they raise for research. It's really amazing. They're one of the biggest. And so. now it's got so much mass that uh, I mean everybody knows about. It. Everybody wants to be a part of it. So exactly, but uh, we raise money uh, ourselves. Do a lot of fundraisers just to keep our office going. We have a hope closet that supplies uh, underserved uh, patients with uh, medical supplies and breast forms, bras, wigs, turbans, all that kind of stuff, and a and a medical kit to take to the hospital with them. Things they'll need while they're there and. And uh, we have 35 support groups all over Georgia right now that are meeting every month. And from what I understand, you've worked with several thousand women now. Uh, how about about 30,000 yeah. women? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've been doing impressive. this for 31 yeah, years. It's, it's amazing that, yeah. uh, that the, the, the impact that your organization has we had. Have, we have about uh, right now active that we are communicating with on a monthly basis is uh, over 800 active <laughs> patients right now. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So what got the, the folks from NBC turned on to you? Oh. Just they just found us on our website, and they called and asked me the question about Joan London. You know, they were real interested in the what I thought about her picture with the bald head on the mm-hmm. front of the cover of uh, People's Magazine, and I said it's going to save somebody's life. I can tell you that for sure because awareness is the only way you're going to find your breast cancer. If you're not knowing about breast cancer, if you don't know, if you don't know how to find breast cancer, and don't don't know about mammograms. 
you won't make it. So uh, I said, it's going to save lives. And they said, okay, we're coming to your office. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they said, we'll be there in an hour. I was like, panic zone. But it, but it was real cool. They, they filmed about 45 minutes. And, um, and then they uh, said that we would, they would use some of the film, uh, filming later on in the month on different uh, situations that they're, that they're having with NBC. But uh, another thing I want you to look out for us on 11 Alive starting next week. We're going to be on three, three times a day on 11 Alive for the whole month of October uh, with a commercial about breast cancer with the Toyota of McDonough. They have pledged to raise $30,000 for us, and it's the only Toyota in in uh, Georgia doing it for us and so we are so we're, they're actually we're doing a commercial provide the, the the cost the cover the cost they of are. the advertisement that's that's spectacular they are and they, they've pledged to raise three thirty thousand dollars for us and uh, so 11 alive is coming out and and uh, we're doing a commercial I'm, I've got 10 ladies lined up to do that with me <laughs> and uh, it's gonna be a lot about awareness and some testimonials and it they're interested in both you know making money for us and bringing the awareness out for uh, the all the surrounding areas I mean they they're not just doing it for Henry County where they are in McDonough but uh, super people down there that's uh, doing this for us well the reach of that advertisement campaign if you're going to run it on 11 alive it's obviously going to be enormous it's going to be multiple counties exactly well outside of the Atlanta and we've area. got a lot of uh, young uh, young survivors coming to help with that under 30 year olds that that work with us now and they're calling that campaign the drive cancer away campaign it is drive <laughs> cancer away and uh, we're putting a big bumper sticker of a pink mustache about a three foot one across the bumper of every new car that they sell <laughs> and used cars we get a percent off of every car and uh they said if they don't buy a car they're going to make them buy that uh, mustache for 50 bucks <laughs> so uh you know everybody's going to see that mustache and say i gotta have one of those okay 50 dollars, you can have it so we're going to see cars driving around the the city streets with right. mustaches. <laughs> right but it but the, the good news is that is to turn right back out in the community i don't know if you know we're a volunteer-led organization i've got two part-time I don't pay myself, and 150 volunteers working yeah, their that's great. selves blue in the face sometime on events getting uh, money brought into our organization. Well, that's a testament to the type of folks that are getting involved with what you're doing, and, and obviously you're, you're great people, which you know would draw people in and make them want to be a part of it and to contribute their time and, and energy. Uh, there's a motorcycle ride coming up, too? Uh, yeah, I've got a motorcycle ride this Saturday that starts at Bellamy Strickland Ford. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> in uh, in uh, Clayton County and goes all the way to Warm Springs and then Warm Springs is prepared for us to arrive you know so we'll uh, you know get all the funds from that this will be our fifth year to do that event and it's a lot of fun and and even the men put the pink shirts on and ride those bikes and they they're tattooed up with pink and they got the pink helmets on and we ride through about four or five towns on the way to warm springs and we uh, bring a lot of awareness just to those towns about breast cancer so are you going to be riding one Actually, I ride in a car behind the bus. <laughs> I had a motorcycle accident as a teenager, and that, oh. that, that was the last time I got on one. My mom and dad both ride Harleys around all over the place, so I wouldn't be surprised if you were like, oh, yeah, I've got a fat sure. boy that I like to ride. <laughs> yeah. So we, we do events, and thank goodness we got people out there doing it with us. We just uh, finished the dragon boat races, in, uh, international dragon boat races in Peachtree City last weekend. We had two teams of uh, survivors where the uh, we have one team that is solid survivors and it's the only complete survivor team in Georgia 
for breast cancer. So, and, and you know, I said, could you get your tutu out of the water, please? You know, they were <laughs> they were all dressed up with pink wigs and tutus and all, and put a big ribbon around the dragon's neck. And uh, it was a sight to see. They had 40-something teams in that competition. That was great. I, I always enjoy having you out on the show. We've been talking with Janet Beebe from the Breast Cancer Survivors Network. Anything else going on that uh, we want to make sure well, that everybody knows about? Well, we're just going to uh, be out there on 11 Alive, and we're going to try our best to bring a lot of awareness, and I think awareness and letting people know that, that breast cancer does affect the younger generation. We just lost a 29-year-old, by the way, two weeks ago, and, mm. and yesterday we took on a 36-year-old, and it looks like about 80% of who we're helping now is under 40. So that's our main focus, and we're open that uh, just getting awareness out there is going to save lives, and we've got a lot of literature. We've got a hanger for the shower and everything now that we've uh, put together ourselves that uh, we're hoping is going to save lives. Well, we've been really pleased to be able to get to know you and, and uh, be a part of what you're doing by helping you get the word out uh, about your events and, and obviously the things that you're doing through the Breast Cancer Survivors Network. Um, you know, we'll go ahead and, and talk to, to Kim a little bit about your event coming up, the two-day walk, and uh, obviously no small feat. And when I called you the other day to check in with you, you were, you know, knees and elbows going crazy. You were running, <laughs> running wild. I imagine your days are pretty filled right now. They are, and yesterday the crazy hit the fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> so take me through, you know, the event as far as, you know, what we're trying to achieve, and, and you know, we'll talk a little bit more about what the two-day walk and It's the Journey is all about. Well, in 10 days, we'll welcome uh, 950 walkers, 200 volunteer crew members, and another 100 day volunteers who will come together for a full weekend uh, walking 30 miles over two days. And it's a full military operation to organize the event itself, um, not just for the walkers, but for the crew. Mm -hmm. um, and there's maybe 15 different crew types who are working their own little piece of the walk to ensure the safety of our walkers and provide hydration and food and everything from marking the route to riding motorcycles for safety, hydro, the recycling crew. I mean, we've got a crew for everything. How long does it typically take on a on on a day? I mean, you know, do the, in terms of closing roads and things like that, I would imagine you're occupying the streets for a period of time. We actually don't believe in that. We don't close roads. Oh, we, okay. we want the business of Atlanta to keep going. The okay. only road we close is for opening ceremonies on Saturday morning. Um, we close one block of Peachtree Street from about 4.30 in the morning until 8 a.m., and then it's open and everything else we do is walking on sidewalks that's pretty amazing that uh, you're able to put together an event that large and and not have to you know close it down because i'm sure the impact of that would be uh you know pretty significant it is and there's a lot going on this particular weekend um it's also the atlanta pride weekend there's a home falcons game cirque du soleil there's there's a hip-hop festival there's a lot going on um so we want to make sure that we're um helping out in Atlanta and not, not tying up any more traffic. <laughs> well, you know, though, the, the upside of that is everybody's already expecting it to be busy. So, you know, I would expect that they would, uh, you know, kind of bear that in mind. But I mean, you can't beat it in terms of having a, so many people collected in the city getting exposed. And that's really what we're, you know, doing here with this particular event is doing the, just that, raising some funds. Um, and, you know, along with that, raising awareness about uh, breast cancer, just like we were talking about with Janet. Absolutely, and I think that is the reason why there's a lower mortality rate from breast cancer now because there has been so much awareness, so we definitely want to keep that up, but our event specifically is 
um, targeted to raise funds so we can help breast cancer and breast health programs around the state of Georgia do their good work. Um, we have 24 grantees, and all of the money that we raise stays right here in Georgia. Well, when you talk about the grant program, talk a little bit about that. Who who does it? Who do those funds go to? How do they get you know involved with that particular part of the program? Uh, we try to make sure that our grant application is in the hands of organizations that could benefit from our funding. And as long as they are a nonprofit or have a nonprofit um, or part of it, like at a hospital, their foundation side, uh, they can apply for funds strictly for breast health or breast cancer programs. Beyond the two-day walk event, are there other things that the organization does, the It's the Journey organization that, that you do throughout the course of a year to raise funds for your grant programs? It's one of my favorite questions when people ask me, so you have a two-day walk. What do you do the rest of the year? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we obviously, work- <laughs> this is a huge event, not, not to is. downplay it by we, any stretch. We work all year to make this event happen, but a lot of our other events are tied to the event, whether it's um, a kickoff event in March to begin the season, training walks throughout the year to right. get our walkers yeah, prepared. It's no small feat to do that. As soon as the walk is over, that's when we start with, clean up, bill paying, those kind of things, but also the grant process. So all of the grant applications um, that went live the beginning of August are due in our office um, next week. And when the walk is over, that's what we turn our attention to. So we start reading grant applications, our grant review committee meets, um, all the applications are distributed, they read them, they score them, and then we meet in December to vote. So once all the money's come in from the walk and we know exactly how much we have to give, we have um, pretty much an all-night board meeting where we start looking at the highest score um, of each of the applicants and start awarding funds until they run out. Um, and one of the things we'd love to be able to do one day is to fully fund every worthy grant request that comes our way in Georgia. That's that's our aspiration. We don't aspire to be national. We don't aspire to be a huge organization. What we want to do is meet the needs of the people in Georgia who are either suffering from breast cancer or who have a need to um, be screened. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I, one of the reasons why I was pleased to have you here is, uh, you know, just through through our network here at Business Radio X, we, we enjoy featuring local-based organizations. You know, obviously the network features a lot of in the business-to-business community. Top Docs were in the medical community, and we really enjoy working with folks that are from our community that are doing special things so we're really happy to be here to be able to feature the two-day walk um you know 950 people getting out and and going 30 miles i mean i i'm you know pleased that you build up to that and you have several events where people can get accustomed to it because i think that it might be easy for someone to think oh i'm just going to go do this and not understand that just because you're walking 15 miles one day 15 miles another day uh that's a long ways to go well it it really is a a full commitment I can say a year-long commitment but for most of our walkers about a six-month commitment for them to train and we actually walk 20 miles on Saturday and 10 miles on Sunday and it's a difficult thing to do and we want to stress that to our walkers to make sure that they have the proper shoes they have the proper socks they're properly hydrated they don't get pedicures right before the walk just trim their nails but don't touch the calluses we try to make sure that they know all the tips that we've learned to make sure that they have um, good foot health at the end of the walk i'm a walker i walk as much as the walk as i can and i've never had a blister so i listen to my own advice and i hope everybody else will too um but they also have to raise money when they commit to walking 
both days of our walk, they commit to raise a minimum of $1,000 in donations. And that's not an easy thing. That's mm-hmm. something that takes, that takes time. time yeah. We have teams that work together to do their fundraising, and they will have huge events planned because they might need to raise $50,000 to cover the fundraising for all their walkers. And it takes on full-time status for some of these teams to raise their money to be involved. But we like to think of ourselves as the kinder and gentler breast cancer walk. So we also have a little bit of easier options. You can also just walk on Sunday, which is 10 miles. So you could join us for breakfast on Sunday, walk your 10 miles, you're finished at lunch, and the fundraising requirement is only $500. If you're a student, um, it's half that of an adult. So if you walk two days, you raise 500. If you walk Sunday only, it's 250. We want as many people to participate as possible. And we even have an option for breast cancer survivors who may not be in good enough physical health to walk that distance and they can join us for just the last half mile of our walk and we call it our survivor victory lap. And um, they join us for that last half mile, they get their survivor shirt, they walk in with the rest of the survivors right past where we are today at the studios right along 17th Street into closing ceremonies. And we've found that to be very satisfying to have folks who may be in the middle of treatment um, who couldn't possibly do our walk Mm -hmm. to be able to celebrate and we can celebrate and honor them as well. That's great. Now, I I know that uh, there are some men out in the community that will have um, you know, the challenge of developing breast cancer as part of their situation. And, and uh, do you have men that will join in the walk, either as a survivor or as a supporter, I guess, of somebody that is uh, Absolutely. Know, going through the journey? It, I think that it's um, funny that I've been challenged by a number of people that I know who I thought were kind of intelligent who've said, oh, men don't get breast cancer and <laughs> argue with me about it. And I'm wow. like, 2,200 men in the U.S. each year are diagnosed yeah. with breast cancer. And who doesn't love the band Kiss and the drummer? Well, he was fired two years ago, but the former drummer, um, Peter Chris, uh, who sings the song Bath, he's a breast cancer survivor. Mm, I did not Um, know that. And with men, um, as we talked about with younger women, that maybe they find it later because men Mm -hmm. tend not to go to the doctor. It it usually will be more aggressive um, and harder to treat because it's found later. We have a gentleman, um, Richard Doty, who's been part of our walk since the beginning. And he is a 60 year, I think, 50 or 60 year breast cancer survivor. Um, he would, he was, he had his uh, mastectomy at 17 years old. Mm. His father had breast cancer, his grandfather had breast cancer. And um, he's part of our moto crew. And uh, he might be a great person to have on this. He's he, he used to be on the radio, so he's got the perfect radio voice. We're always looking for a great guest to yeah, have on the show. For Richard sure. Doty is fantastic, and he does um, a lot, a lot with us. And um, we always have some number of male breast cancer survivors. There's one who's been terrific, but his recurrence um, and the side effects from his treatment means he can't walk. He gets blisters on his feet, and yeah. you know it's been a real struggle. So what I've seen of men fighting breast cancer, it's pretty horrific, and and something that I take the time every time I'm in a group to make sure that the men in the audience understand that it's real and just because it's breast cancer it's just a tissue call it chest cancer but be on the lookout and if you find a lump if you find something suspicious go to a doctor and ask about it well you know I think that one of the challenges for the men is that we're not in tune with that you know as really a possibility for us so we don't do the things that can 
potentially get you to the physician earlier, namely, you know, doing the self-exams, for example. Yeah, we, we've actually treated and, you know, paid for some treatment and uh, some supplies for two or three of our, you know, recently uh, men with breast cancer, and we lost one of those, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they found it late, all of them. Yeah, and I would imagine that's just why, because by the time you're going, well, gosh, what is that? It's it's because now it's gotten to a place where it's you can feel it. It's uncomfortable. Right. It's causing some discomfort, and and the, you know obviously by then it's probably had a chance to invade some other tissues or another organ, which you know means bad things. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, very good information for somebody out there. You know, you know, among that particular group. Does it tend to have a pretty strong genetic component, meaning uh, I can maybe be clued in a little bit? Obviously, if I've got someone close to me, a father, grandfather, whatever it may be, that's had the breast cancer. Only about 8% of breast cancer is genetic. So Mm -hmm. the vast majority of breast cancer is spontaneous, if you want to call it. Wow, that makes it much harder. The people that do have it in their family, not only do they have to worry about those family connections, but they also have the general population risk. But the vast majority of breast cancer um, is not traced to the family. So it's really something that we all need to be aware of. Well, I'm pleased to, you know, include information like this out there in, uh, you know, our shows just because I, I, I think just like we're talking about, so many people would overlook it and not really think about it. It just clues you into the fact that, you know, finding it early, whether you're a man or a woman, um, is is one of the big keys to surviving the disease. Because, I mean, from what I understand, as we had our physician sh- panel show on, on the topic, it's very survivable now for Absolutely. the most part. Um, but the key is getting it at an early stage. And, and so if we can help some people do that for themselves or their loved one, I'm happy to do so. I guess I should start doing some self-exams at a minimum on myself here, too. Um, you know, people kind of talk about, gosh, there's you know, another event about breast cancer. What is that? What, what, why do we have so many events on an ongoing basis? Obviously, it kind of peaks around the, this particular month, but uh, there's, we're, we're raising awareness all the time about breast cancer. Why so many events? Well, I think that, uh, as Janet referred to earlier, the fact that there is so much awareness and there is so much pink out there now is the reason that the mortality rate has gone down because it is being found um, more readily. But when you have a disease that's affecting one out of eight women, um, there has to be something done. It's not going away if we ignore it, if we stop all the pink. Um, it's, it's not going to go away. It's not going to make anything better. And I think the statistics for cancer in general, one out of three people um, will be diagnosed with some form of cancer. Um, but for women, I don't know anybody who doesn't know someone who's been affected by breast cancer in some way, the stories that we hear. And, and also the stories we hear are skewed uh, younger. Um, I was just told of a young girl who was diagnosed at 25 who's having a hard time um, getting the proper treatment because mm-hmm. of her age and people want to dismiss it. And I had a good friend of mine who was diagnosed when she was seven months pregnant with her third child and she was 30 and she went to her doctor and had to go three times and, and ask um, to be checked. And he's like, oh, well, you're too young and you're, you're pregnant, so your body's different, so don't worry about it. And she had to ask three times. Mm-hmm. And by the time she was finally diagnosed, it was third stage. Wow. And um, she ended up dying three years later. And it, it infuriates me that, um, that you have to push that. But we do have to remember that we are have to be our own best advocates mm-hmm. um, for whatever it is, whatever medical um, issue it is, and don't put it in the past. Even if a doctor poo-poos you, then maybe go to a, another doctor. 
um, but you know your body better than anybody else. And um, and I think someone going through breast cancer treatment, they need to have a friend with them, a family member, yeah. somebody who can be at each appointment. They can take notes. They can listen. Because when you're in the midst of it and you're emotional, you may not hear everything that you need to hear. Yeah, that's right. I, I, you know, I, I think that that's useful information for folks to think about as well as, you know, because I've had you know conversations along the way through the show here where uh, particularly the men that we interviewed, they didn't necessarily take somebody with them. Um, you know, trying not to burden their their loved one with the, the the stress of it, apparently. But just like you say, I, I think that having that extra set of ears that is, you know, yes, they may be stressing on your behalf, but yet again, they would still be able to probably catch some things that, as you're you're kind of drinking from a fire hydrant emotionally during that exactly. situation, while you're learning about uh, you have cancer, this is what we're going to do, and obviously, it's a typically a multi-specialty thing. You're going to have three to five physicians sometimes that are interfacing with you through your course of care and all of that. I, I can't even imagine. I've never had to deal with that myself, either with myself or a loved one. And, and uh, so uh, I can only imagine what it must be like as you're sitting there trying to drink all of that in. So, you know, the things that we keep hearing uh, from our guests over time here are, like you say, advocate for yourself and for your loved one. Don't be afraid to ask questions from your physician. It's not an insult to their intelligence or their qualifications by any stretch. Even if you're saying, are you sure? Or can, what about this? What about this? Don't stop trying to learn offline from your conversations with a physician. Obviously, learn as much as you can there and take notes when you're engaging with your physician. But there are good resources for information out there um, You know, for p- cancer patients. Like here in the state of Georgia, we have georgiacancerinfo.org. Um, and Georgia Corps and some resources online that people can go to to find out about uh, studies that are going on that uh, or clinical trials they may be able to participate in as a patient, um, you know, or just get some good information that might clue them into what kind of questions they should be asking their physicians that will help them guide their care. But one big thing that even the physicians who've come on our show, each of them to a person agreed that it's a good thing uh, to ask for a second opinion, particularly when the uh, the the health issue that you're talking about is one that has significant impacts on your life, whether it's cancer or a situation that may, you know, cause, uh, you know, someone to have a limit uh, at risk, for example, anything like that where, you know, your, your life is significantly impacted. It's good to have another mind. Just take a look at it. And, uh, you know, most good physicians are going to certainly facilitate that and may be able to say, oh, yes, I would recommend this doctor, this doctor or this doctor to go to. So thanks you for sharing that. And I would imagine that with the event, the two-day walk, uh, being so effective in terms of raising funds that you've had quite an impact uh, here locally on the community with you know being able to contribute some significant funds and really be able to help some people. We hope so. Um, we have a variety of grantees around the state. Some are large hospitals where we fund specific programs for them. A lot of them, probably 50% of our funds goes to screening and diagnostic mammograms and and biopsies to make sure that people either don't have breast cancer or that if it's found that they can move on to treatment. The rest of the money goes to programs such as um, wellness programs, lymphedema programs for people that are currently going through um, breast cancer treatment or recovering from it. Uh, We fund genetic testing and counseling, uh, something that we're big about when it comes to genetic testing is our grantees must have a genetic counselor as part of their program. We don't feel that um, a physician who has not been through, you know, the the educational side of, of uh, genetics is as qualified to give those results. We prefer to have a genetic counselor to have a, um, 
a pre-test consultation and a post-test um, talk with that person and make sure that what would they do with that information if they found out they do have um, the BRCA gene, what would they do with that knowledge and make sure that there's somebody there who can discuss those options with them. So, and you know, we look at our grantees very carefully. One of my roles as executive director is to make sure that I'm the best fiscal steward of our donor funds as possible. And we wanna make sure that our grantees are as well. We require a lot of information and we check their 990s and we wanna make sure that every dime um, that we're asking from our own friends and family is being used in the most efficient and effective manner. Well, it sounds like that's certainly happening here, and and I'm really happy that uh, that you brought with you somebody that's uh, been a part of your uh, event on a number of occasions. Uh, we've been talking with Kim Goff of the It's the Journey and the Atlanta Two Day Walk for Breast Cancer, and uh, Kim introduced us to Yvonne Lloyd, who is actually a breast cancer survivor yourself, and now coming up one year you've participated this time will be your sixth time as taking part of the event. So, thanks a lot for coming to share your story and. Uh, to uh, tell us a little bit about how you know you've interacted with the organization, and uh, you know just you know share with the community out there in case they either have a loved one that may be at risk or is dealing with the journey themselves. Kind of share your experience that might be able to come away with some information that can help them. So thanks again for coming out. Well, just to tell you a little bit about my story, I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 56, and it was actually found by my doctor, uh, Dr. Yvonne Scott. Um, at my regular yearly exam mm -hmm. and she immediately sent me over to have a mammogram and they had seen a dramatic t difference in my mammogram from the previous year so I went ahead and um, had a consultation with the surgeon and everything just moved very rapidly um, I had had my surgery by this this started January 30th of 2008 and my surgery was on February 20th of 2008. Mm -hmm. I did get a second opinion. I went to the chief surgeon at um, Atlanta Medical Hospital, which was Dr. Ed Mason at the time. And um, he agreed with the information that my doctor had told me and the steps that they felt that they should take. Um, I was fortunate that um, I was able to have a screening test done that would show that I did not have to have chemotherapy or radiation. They did diagnose me with stage two lobular carcinoma. And um, I went ahead and had a, a mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. And I made the decision to have it all done at one time. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I went ahead and had all the other surgeries that went along with it. You know, they had to put in um, expanders and implant. Mm -hmm. um, Finally, um, I was able to heal from it. You know, it took a while. I did not go back to work until oh, August of 2008, so it was a good six months. And um, in October, I decided I wanted to do the breast cancer walk. Well, I started to look around, and <laughs> I realized that the Susan Corman one was three days, 20 miles a day, and that was a bit too much for me. Yeah. And um, my daughter told me, oh no, there's another one, Mom. She said, um, our company volunteered and helped out <laughs> with this one, and it's called the Two Day. And so I looked that up and found out that it was two days, um, and I only had to do 20 miles the first day and 10 the second. I said, I can do this. <laughs> I only have to do 20 miles. <laughs> and you stay at the Marriott Marquis Hotel. There's no yeah, tent sleeping no, with the Two Day. That's correct. <laughs> that's uh, not a bad thing. And so, um, 
I went ahead and I did it, and this is going to be my sixth year. Yeah. I'm now five years cancer-free, and this is my sixth year out doing the walk. Well, think about the impact that you have made through your participation, and uh, you know, with uh, the effort that you would undergo to raise funds, you know, to participate. So, kudos to you for doing that, and particularly to participate so close to your recovery, uh, because I'm sure it takes a little while. You know, you know, going back to your your story when you you know, because you elected to do your your um, your mastectomy at the time correct because from what i understand uh, when you were diagnosed it was found that thankfully you didn't have involvement with lymph nodes so your risk at the time was looking positive for you know you didn't have as much chance for metastasis but you were concerned because i understand that once you've been diagnosed with a breast cancer that recurrence is certainly a, a consideration um, and when it does recur, then it can be kind of significant. So uh, for you, you just wanted to just take care of that and, and eliminate that as a, or at least reduce it as much as you could as, as a possibility. Uh, yes, I did. In in the areas where they found the cancer on my breast was sort of two separate areas. So to have a lumpectomy would have left me disfigured. So I decided I to go ahead and have the mastectomy. Right. Well, the nice, the nice thing is if, you, if there is such a thing you know, for for lack of a better way of saying it, when it comes to being able to have, you know, the reconstructive part of your, your uh, treatment, that insurance will, will work with ladies that in that part of the process as it relates to the plastic and the reconstructive side. And so being able to have that all part of that uh, makes that at least a little bit uh, yes. more doable and tolerable instead of being, you know, on, on you to have that taken care of. Yes, I was very fortunate. The company that I worked for, 100% of my care was taken care of. So um, one of the reasons I decided to do this walk was because I know there are a lot of people out there who would not be as fortunate as I am. Um, I walk for them. I walk for survivors. I walk for, you know, family members that have breast cancer, for those people who cannot afford to have the treatment that I had. Mm-hmm. Well, for the folks who, you know, we'll have a photo of you um, uh, with your biography, but for the folks who can't see you here in studio, I would never guess you to be in your 50s for sure. You you look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm very glad that you took time to, to come and share your story. Um, you know, coming from a, a patient who's, you know, been a participant in the event, can you talk a little bit about what your experience was like, how it went for you, for somebody who's thinking, man, I would really like to be a part of this event. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to go through the process and give advice on how to more effectively be able to, you know, involve folks in, you know, raising funds and being able to, you know, contribute to that side of the event for you? Yes, it was, it was, I mean, exciting to be able to do this walk and and complete it. Um, When I first started, I did go to the ceremonies that they have in March where they invite uh, new walkers to come out and find out about the breast cancer walk. At that point in time, they tell you all the information you need to know, uh, where the walk will be, where you'll be staying, how long you walk, where you walk. They'll talk about the training walks. They'll give you information as far as um, health-wise, things that you need to do um, to make sure that you walk and you walk safely. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, At the beginning, um, it was a little difficult, you know, going on the training walks and being able to do it. But you you just, you know, continue to do it every single day. You go out just on your own and you walk. And then when they have the training walks, it may be like a five-mile walk or a 10-mile walk. Um, The people that I have told about it have come out and walked with me. And they think it's it's just the greatest thing. 
Um, they have come out and they have even come out to volunteer. Those people that I know that can't walk, they will call the two-day organization and they can volunteer their times. They can work at some of the stations. They can work at the ends of the walk giving out t-shirts. My family does that and my granddaughter does that and she's also invited some of her friends from her school to come out and help. So it's been very enlightening. It's been very rewarding. Was the, you know, I, I would assume that particularly with your story being a breast cancer survivor and having gone through the, the journey of, you know, treatment and, and uh, diagnosis uh, that your, you know, your loved ones probably were, you know, a big part of the circle that supported you on your walk. But, you know, do you have advice for how to best approach uh, and, and speak to people about, hey, I'm, I'm going to be participating in the two-day walk and, and uh, we would love for you to, you know, to join in and, and be a part of, you know, contributing funds to help this event? Uh, yes, I would just tell them that um, I'm sure they all know someone in their family or someone that's a friend that could be helped by this situation, that um, this is an organization that helps anybody in Georgia that would need it, and that um, they should come out and they should support this organization. I would imagine now with this being your sixth time coming up that uh, you've probably built up quite a quite a network of support that uh, that gets behind you every time you go oh yes I have I get online and I send out my letters and I get my funds in and then a few weeks ago I did a special event at Matteo's Pizza where they helped us to raise money anything that came in we got 15% of it oh that's awesome do you have any other you know entities out there that you want to give a shout out to that uh, have kind of supported you along the way you don't have to but uh, just throwing that out well there. It's, it's mainly been my family and friends um, mm -hmm. that they've supported me all along the way and then I mean what got me through the breast cancer was my faith in God so my, my family my friends and my faith in God has really done it well uh, you know thank you so much for giving your story like that and and then sharing your, your experience as you've participated in the Atlanta two-day walk for breast cancer um, you know before we run out of time you know do, can I go around the room if there's a parting thought that everybody would maybe have I know I, I, I wanted to just mention we have a very smaller walk in uh, the last Saturday in March every year and it's called the uh, the one day and it's a big day of events that we do and it's a forty dollar. Uh, registration and that includes t-shirt and lunch but it's on a smaller scale we, I think we had 700 walkers last year but smaller scale but, but still pretty good but, size. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and funds wise it's just for our organization but it uh, we always bring in some some great entertainment and and but that's in March we chose that to not interfere with all the uh, breast cancer walks you know because we like to do those other walks ourselves well I guess that'll give us a reason to have you back yeah before your event kicks off and then we'll you know talk about exactly. uh, your your event in March so everybody will hear will be welcome what about you Kim do you have any uh, last thoughts before we have to jump off today well, our events in 10 days um, at this point I mean if you if you're ready to come up with uh, 500 dollars in fundraising to walk on Sunday that's fantastic we'd love to have you do that you can get prepared to join us for next year you can go to our website todaywalk.org and see the list of our cheering stations we're always looking for more people to come along the route mm -hmm. to cheer when people have been walking for maybe 10 miles and they're tired and they're wondering oh, should I get on the sweep van and go back to the hotel and they get around the bend and there's a group of people that they don't know who are cheering and go way to go we're so proud of you all of a sudden the adrenaline starts pumping and they steep keep going so we love the idea of people coming to cheer and one of the reasons why we have a fundraising minimum for our two-day walkers of a thousand dollars if you have the statistic of one out of eight women will be diagnosed 
with breast cancer in their lifetime, and $1,000 will provide approximately eight mammograms. Each of our walkers can logically save a life just by their fundraising and participating in our walk. So for us, that's really inspirational. It's it's aspirational yeah, in terms of a goal a for the fundraising, and, and we want it to be something that everybody can be a part of. So if your listeners are out there, we'd love for you to get prepared to join us for next year. It'll be October 3rd and 4th of 2015. Get started now. We can help you um, get ready for fundraising and training so you're prepared physically, and we'd love to have everybody join us. Well, you know, before we go, make sure everybody shares your online presence and social media so that folks can link up with you. Obviously, I'll do that through our show's pages, but uh, tell them where to find you, social media and and website. Um, Our... Facebook is under Atlanta Two Day Walk for Breast Cancer. We have over 7,000 followers. Come join us. We have a lot of fun information on there. And Twitter is. And all, all while you're thinking about Twitter, it, um, if you're uh, if you're one of the followers for for the Atlanta Two Day Walk on Facebook, you've got to make sure that you share this episode with your networks because again, just like you talked about, um, with those who are participating in your event by going through the effort of raising funds sharing this information with someone that, that you know, uh, it, it's all but certain, just like uh, we've talked about, you're, you're all but certain to help somebody and maybe have uh, a life-saving effect on somebody's life uh, that you care about, even exactly. if you don't know it. So yeah. please, you know, turn around those those massive networks that you have. Share share today's show with uh, with your folks because I can promise you, you'll help somebody. How about you, Yvonne? you have anybody, uh, any any websites or resources out there in the community that uh, that you've linked up with along the way as a cancer survivor that helped you or that people should know about? Or No, I don't have any specific websites, but I would just like to piggyback on what Kim said, that um, it would be great to have people out there cheering us on as we walk on um, Saturday and Sunday. And if you can't do it, then come out next year and walk with us. Well, I'm honored to have my guests in the stu- in the studio today. Thank you all again for making time to join us on the show. Great topics and great information that, uh, that as we talked about, we know will help somebody out there in the community. So we're very pleased to be a part of it uh, on this end. If you haven't linked up with the Top Docs Radio Show on Facebook and Twitter, you can find us at Top Docs on BRX on both Twitter and Facebook. Um, we'll podcast the show. So um, if you didn't get to catch it live, we'll certainly have this up. And then that way you'll be able to share the podcast uh, and uh, extend our reach for this message uh, to all the folks that you care about out there. So make sure that you uh, make a plan to join us next week, uh, 2.30 on Tuesday. We'll see you same time, same place. 